Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. NFL preseason and we're kicking it off with a doubleheader tonight. It's also week zero of college football. So meaningful football is on our television screens this week. Finally, we'll discuss all that and more throughout the course of today's show. Welcome in to this Thursday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. In for Michael Lombardi, our guy Jonathan Von Tobel. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. Always a pleasure, JVT, although... This morning, I feel like the Angels fan and you probably not particularly thrilled to be on the air first thing. Uh, actually, so here's the thing. I'm actually kind of down for a different reason. I stopped by the coffee shop today. I was very, very hungry. And I got a parfait from the wonderful jackpots. Okay. I dropped it in the car. On the no, carpet. you Yeah. No. So I dropped Did it. Did they see you drop it? Well, I mean, I, I let them know. Obviously. No, I didn't just drop it and run off. No, I let everybody, I, as a former casino worker, I didn't understand how these work, things work. So I made sure to tell the powers that be that I dropped a parfait all over the carpet. But yeah, I feel worse about that. I also feel very bad for Shohei Otani. I more so meant from the standpoint of if they saw you drop it, they would give you another one. Oh, no, no, no. The $10 parfait was just a waste. Just done for. As Mike, uh, as Mike Palm always says when people ask about free stuff, we're running the business here. So. <laughs> uh, yes, that's I did awful. not get another. So 10 bucks down the drain. At least your UCL is okay. Though. That's that's very true. Unlike Shohei Otani for the second time, UCL injury. Um, now, it's unclear, according to reports, whether or not he's going to have surgery. But it sucks, man. It, I don't. Angels aside, baseball season aside, whatever it is, Shohei Otani is the best baseball player that we've ever seen. And the fact that he was set to get an enormous payday because he deserved it after doing what he did with the Angels, whoever was going to be with, and then tears his UCL for the second time and now has a myriad of questions for him as a pitcher going forward, I mean, this could be a nine-figure type of injury for Shohei Otani. Now you're looking at a deal that might be very lucrative, but very incentive laden when you're talking about being a pitcher, as opposed to just paying him as being, you know, a very good pitcher on top of being one of the best DHs uh, in major league baseball. I think it absolutely sucks. You know, aside what, you know, my angels fandom, or whatever, as a human who enjoys the sport of baseball and who enjoys Shohei Otani and thinks that he deserves to get every single bit of uh, money that is going to come to him absolutely blows that this happens to him uh, you know, at this time, right before he's about to hit the open market. The most highly anticipated free agent that I can 
think of um, what he was about to go through. Oh, and I don't think there's a question. To yeah. And to your point about this being the second surgery, he is going to seek a second opinion. Yep. So we're not sure what he's going to need ultimately yet, but um, unfortunately had to have Tommy John back in 2018. Did still hit his 44th home run, though, um, despite it all. Oh, I mean, look, as a hitter, he's going to be, I, I wouldn't want to say fine, but you know, the year that he originally injured his UCL and then you know had, I think it was uh, surgery in October, he missed the first month of the regular season and then DH the rest of the way. It was perfectly fine. So as a hitter, he's going to be okay. And and he has improved as a hitter almost every single year. And so that's not the part you're really worried about. It's just overall to have this, like to, to do this, so much of the contract was going to be hitter and pitcher, right? Top, top end of the rotation guy. So when Nobody you sign him. do what he does. Correct. So when you sign him, that's going to be the case. But it also, like to kind of expand the cone of vision here and, and look at everything, you know, we had kind of seen a little something coming. You know, in and out, short starts, all of this sort of thing in terms of injuries for Otani. And the Angels have a history now. You know, I mentioned it with you. Since there was a stretch from 2014 to 2018, and on the back end it included Shohei Otani, this Angels team had nine pitchers experience UCL injuries. This is now the 10th over that stretch, and actually it's the 10th because I can't remember uh, over that time. I haven't been tracking it. But lo and behold, they are up there with the Tampa Bay Rays for pitchers who have undergone UCL uh, UCL, uh, surgeries, injuries, whatever it is. As an organization, you have to start asking yourself questions. Mike Trout comes off the injury list, goes back onto it. He has missed a ton of time. You have had a rash of pitchers experience UCL injuries in your time over the last 9, 10 years. This is now something where you have to reflect as an organization and realize, like, whatever we're doing, something has to not be right for this. You can't just get that unlucky over this long span of time and just be like, ah, you know, it's just how it goes. There's got to be something happening here. It also speaks to the larger picture for the Angels. Stormy, I can count over and over again the amount of pitchers who are with the Anaheim Angels who leave the organization and go on to have really solid careers Andrew Heaney, Michael Lorenzen, a recent name, right? This has been a constant for the Angels. So this is an organization that, since the season has gone up in flames, since the trade deadline, doing everything they could to keep Otani, you've got to do a lot of self-reflection here from top to bottom because this has been an absolute nightmare with two of the best players and now, of course, coupled on with a rash of injuries for your pitchers over the last 19 years. Yeah, time for some serious evaluation, it seems like, for the Angels and... You referenced that trade deadline 5-16 and 16 for the Angels since saying that they are going to go all in and elected to keep Shohei Otani. They're currently 10 games out of a wild card spot with 35 games to go this season. Very unfortunate the way that things have played out considering what they wanted to transpire in the back end of mm-hmm. this season. But now from one UCL injury to another. We've known for a while that to start the 2023 season, if healthy, Brock Purdy would be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. There was, however, a competition for QB2, and we found out yesterday that it will be former third overall pick Sam Darnold, yeah. uh, which is not Trey Lance, to the chagrin of all of the major Trey Lance for MVP supporters. That still odd to me that when you looked at the odds board this preseason that he was the same number. Well, of- that's that's you're right because he was like what sixty to one. It just speaks to the market itself. Like, there's no reason to bet into the MVP market. It's insane it's the insane. numbers you're, you're getting. <laughs> but when you saw the news yesterday, I don't know about you, but I wasn't particularly surprised, especially mm-hmm. knowing that the 49ers brought Sam Darnold in this offseason for a reason fairly quickly, um, how well his skill set kind of is tailored to what the 49ers want to do on offense and being a facilitator. And Trey Lance having as limited experience as he has and him being on this roster behind the scenes for a long time, just not really panning out the way that they thought. Somebody that they traded up three first-round picks for to be number three overall a few years ago. Yeah, and I will say this. 
I don't think for anybody out there, because we love to do this, a pile on guys, I don't think by any stretch we're talking about like punting on Lance as a quarterback. There was a great stat that was floated out there yesterday on Twitter. If you look at pass attempts, you know, because uh, Trey Lance, and, and I apologize for whoever had this because I'm not going to give you credit because I don't remember, but Dorian Thompson Robinson and Trey Lance were part of the same recruiting class. If you include college and these snaps in the preseason, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson has doubled pass attempts in, like from what Trey Lance has done. Like he hasn't played that much football since coming out of high school. So there's still probably something here. But if you're the San Francisco 49ers, if you're right in thinking that you have something in Brock Purdy and you have a decent backup in Sam Darnold, it makes sense now to shop around and see what you can get. And you're going to sell them for pennies on the dollar, give them what you give up for them. But to at least recoup something here, uh, I, I think is the way to go. So I don't think I would punt if by any means. You know, if I'm a team that has you know a veteran at the top of my depth chart who has some time to develop this guy, I would definitely try to flip something very cheap for him. So I don't think we've seen the last of Trey Lance, but I think it makes the most sense at this point where we're at. As a 49ers fan, I think I've always just been a little bit frustrated with the move in general. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't the guy I wanted that season, right? And you get an FBS, an FCS, excuse me, player who had one, granted, exceptional season, but very limited experience, not at the FBS level against top-tier competition. And then you have a lot of pressure on this guy that it's been very, very difficult for him to have that opportunity to live up to. And even last year, when he's given the reins to be the starting quarterback, it's a monsoon game and yep. then you know then breaks his ankle. Yeah, yep. so it's a, it was always an uphill battle for him. And then you look at the reps and the lack of experience, to your point, 519 passes his entire football life, which includes high school, which yep. is absurd to think about. Patrick Mahomes in one season at Texas Tech had more than he's had in his entire football career. So... The opportunity just hasn't really been there for him to get the reps that he needs. Um, and I believe we have a soundbite, Elliot, producer Elliot, tell me if we do. Um, but Kyle Shanahan kind of talking about the expectations or what the plan might be moving forward with Trey Lance. I mean, this isn't a thing that we're giving up on Trey. This is more of how Brock played in his seven games, and that was decided before the season started. And then how good Sam's looked. They both looked good. But we do have to make a decision here. And you only get so many reps at it, and um, we feel... um, you know, starting about 10 days ago, Sam really separated himself, and um, we got to keep it real in that way. So Sam earns the job. Trey Lance, QB3, where things sit right now. You say, see if you can try to turn him for something. I wonder where that would be. And, and to Kyle Shanahan's point, because he's referenced it on another program as well, saying, hey, they needed four quarterbacks last year. Maybe we just need mm-hmm. a little depth at the position. We do keep him. They're exploring their options. They had conversations with the Vikings uh, around the Super Bowl last year. Nothing ended up panning out. Any other places that maybe stand out to you as where he might work? I think Minnesota and Tampa Bay are the two that make the most sense. You know, you have two quarterback depth charts. For Minnesota, it's a little bit different, but you have an aging quarterback who you don't have a plan to succeed afterwards. And then for Tampa Bay, you've got nothing. And apparently, you've got nothing because the second-round pick that you have in Kyle Trask didn't win the job over there in Tampa Bay. So, it would maybe make some sense to take a flyer on Trey Lance and see what's going to happen. The interesting part about Tampa Bay, though, is I would say it's probably a lame duck coach in that. I think Todd Bowles, if if everything happens as we expect, right, win total, all that sort of stuff, Bowles will probably be on his way out at the end of the year. So do you take on a project and developmental piece in Trey Lance knowing that you're going to have a new staff coming in the next season? So I think that makes it a little bit murky, but I think those are probably the top two teams at the list right now. Yeah, I would agree. Another team I saw floated yesterday was the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm curious your thoughts on that, playing behind Desmond Ritter, who, like, 
I mean, hasn't really shown us per- a ton yet. It's not like he was a very highly touted prospect out of college. No, but it's also like clearly they're trying to see if they have something. You know, what I mean, it just it doesn't make much sense if that's going to be the way that you're going to go. You're already trying to develop the young piece that you have. What was what was the uh, Desmond Ritter second, third round pick? I can't remember. But he was up there, right? Yeah. So you clearly think that you maybe have something here and you're handing him the reins. It wouldn't make much sense to then shed assets, whatever it is, to go get another young quarterback that you might have to develop. I just didn't think it would be, it wouldn't be a ton of assets, you sure. would imagine. For Unfortunately, considering what the 49ers gave up for him, I don't think that they are anticipating getting a ton back for a guy that we've just talked and laid out a ton about the lack of experience. I mean, look had. at uh, what uh, Isaiah Simmons, right? He just got uh, flipped for yeah, a seventh exactly. round pick. So you're probably not getting much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so we're going to have to take a step aside here, first time out of the day. But when we return, we will discuss the two preseason games that we have coming up in the NFL today. Two favorites getting a little bit of steam, a little bit of love in the Steelers and the Indianapolis Colts today. So we will discuss your squad again on the other side. But from baseball to the NFL. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. You're listening to Visa and the Sports Betting Network. line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. For the break, we wrapped up some of our thoughts on the two preseason games coming up tonight in the NFL, but throughout this entire NFL preseason, all of our VSEN experts have been busy evaluating every single team to try to give you the best betting edge. Our updated NFL betting guide is due out at the end of the month. It's going to help you get ahead of everything you need for the upcoming season. Picks from every on-air host got team-specific preseason analysis, how to use VEASAN betting splits, and football contest strategies as well. You can become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for as low as 19 bucks and reserve your copy of the guide or take advantage of our football season special and get access to everything we do here at VEASAN from now through the Super Bowl for $199. It is all-encompassing. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. To the Lombardi line alongside Jonathan Von Tobel, Stormy Bond, and Tony here. Time to get into some college football week zero talk. Seven games on tap as we kick off the 2023 season. To help us break it all down, we bring in Michael Calabrese, college football betting analyst over at the Action Network. How we doing? We got we got football this weekend. How pumped are you? I am pumped. The way I describe this is if you've ever been stuck on the tarmac, you know, your flight gets delayed or you're in a New York City subway and, you know, you stop moving. Pretty quickly, camaraderie is built with, you know, the strangers who were once strangers all around you. Like, we're in this together. That's how I feel about week zero. I've watched so much UMass tape (laughs) and Jacksonville State media days. It's like these teams are strange, but they're my teams right now. And I can't wait to actually see them play on Saturday. All right, let's start with Jacksonville State because I got a big one here. Um, Not only have I bet UTEP in this game. Uh, Dustin Sweetelson and myself have a dinner bet. Loser has to take the other Andiamos, the steakhouse over there at the D. He's got Jacksonville State. I've got UTEP. Who wins? Who's eating dinner for free? Ah, this is this could be a rough one for you. This is Jacksonville State's very first game bumping up from the FCS level. It is going to be a zoo at their home game here. And I like what Rich Rod brings to the table in this game because he has a seventh-year starting quarterback who's able to run this offense. And I think they're going to come in hot. They were a top 10 rushing team, a top 10 scoring team at the FCS level. And UTEP lost a lot in their front seven. This has been a team that's hung its hat on defense. Praise Amalaway at defensive end is still going to be a, you know, a borderline player of the year candidate 
on the edge, but everybody else in the front seven, it's basically new faces and moving pieces around. So I think there's a chance that Jacksonville State catches them napping here in the opener, and it's going to require a really good game out of Gavin Hardison, the quarterback for the Miners. Might be a tough go for you, J- JVT, and Andiamo was great. Had my rehearsal dinner there a couple weeks ago. That was Did you get married? Money. Yeah, rumor has it. You hadn't yeah. mentioned it. No. <laughs> um, but also, I'm just curious, before we move off of this game, thoughts on the total, because odds makers clearly think this is going to be a shootout type of a game, 54 and a half. We know UTEP has a lot of returning starters on offense, a group that had, I think, 30-plus points in five of their last seven games of last season. Rich Rod offenses you don't usually want to bet against in that spot. What do you think of that number? I think if I were to go on this total, I would go over. You also have to factor in that it's going to be incredibly hot. So I think these defenses are going to wilt, you know, an up-tempo attack from Rich Rod. I think there's going to be an opportunity to catch teams that are really tired at the end of drives, five and six plays in. The heat index could be over 100 down there in Alabama. Uh, All right, let's go to a couple of the uh, other big ones. How about this one? Uh, Market has been moving in favor of Louisiana Tech. We're up to 11.5 in a few spots. Totals down to 58.5. What do we expect from the Bulldogs? I think they're coming in and romping all over FIU. FIU was a little bit sneaky competitive last year. Uh, I'm not enamored with the, the either side in this game, but I do think over is the way to play this. La Tech was just missing kind of that competent quarterback play. They go through the portal. They get Hank, Hank Bonkbeyer to come in from Boise State. And when it comes to him, his issue has always been staying healthy. At least you know going into game one, he's 100%. Smoke Harris is a name to keep an eye on because not only is he going to be able to help them out of the slot and pop some big plays, he's one of the best return men in the entire country, and nothing helps an over like a special teams touchdown. I'm so annoyed at JVT for putting you through those as the first two games to discuss. These are great. Like, <laughs> Wait, hold on. No, no, no. We're not going to talk about how excited we are for week zero and then criticize. These are two legitimate I'm week not- zero games. Criticize- that are very, very good, and themselves. we've seen quite a bit of action on both of them. UTEP Jacksonville State's been flipping back and forth between Listen, one. You know. I'm just saying we're five minutes into this segment, and you haven't even mentioned the marquee matchup oh, of the sorry. weekend that's actually kicking things off which, in Ireland. Which which three or more touchdown favorite would you like to discuss? Listen, uh, Navy, Navy and Notre Dame or we USC? We've got some interesting situations oh, here. Let's okay. at least talk about with programs that more the masses are interested in okay i'm just gonna call a spade a spade here but yes notre dame is a money and a half point favorite uh against navy but just let me bear with me here for a second because i think there's money to be made in this game as well um but first game for navy without former head coach uh ken niamatololo very different philosophy it seems like well yes they're still going to run a triple option maybe get a little more of the passing game going in there unsure who their quarterback will be likely ty lavatai from what I understand, but um, maybe we'll also see Horvath a little bit in this spot. And Sam Hartman getting worked in with his first start as the quarterback for the Fighting Irish. 20.5 point spread, total 49. What are your thoughts? I like under here, and the new clock rules come into play right away in this game. This is the first game of the college football season. For those uninitiated to it, the stoppage after the first down is going away other than the last two minutes of each half. That's going to be really impactful in a game where both sides are going to look to run the ball. Grant Chestnut comes up from Kennesaw State to lead the Navy offense. What he's going to do is he's going to add a tight end into the triple option set and a lot of passes near the line of scrimmage. So in the flat, flares, screens, crossing routes. I think that's going to give them just a little bit of extra punch in this game offensively. And when you look at what Notre Dame has, Parker comes in as the OC. He was a failed OC at West Virginia. And in his last year, 
he really focused on Letty Brown as his bell cow. He has Estime in his backfield. I know all the headlines are for Sam Hartman, but I do think given how green his receiving core is, they're going to lean on the run game. Going into a Navy run defense, that actually was top five in the nation last year. They bring back nine starters. So that's kind of a strength-on-strength battle there. I think there's going to be long drives in this game, the clock running and when you look at, you know, holistically how much of an impact the, you know, five to 10 seconds per first down is going to have, there's, you know, between 35, 40 first downs in the game. So you can see between three and five minutes bled off of a game right away. So when I see two running teams and any number north of seven touchdowns, I want to go ahead and go under. So I'm going to go under here on the Emerald Isle. All right, got to make sure we get in the uh, marquee matchup, USC and San Jose State. Uh, 29 and a half at the open. The totals really moved 63 up to 66. Now we're up to 32 in some spots in favor of the Trojans. Yeah, books are just taking on all the action on USC. Everyone's laying the points. This is kind of a square play where, you know, USC could win by 60 points. That's the view. San Jose State has a good offense. So what, from my perspective, this is a live play. I want to see the USC defense in a live game situation actually tackle somebody. Because the last two memories I have is against Tulane and Utah, and they couldn't bring anybody down in the open field. I know Barry Alexander, defensive tackle, is going to be impactful with their, their run defense. But Chevin Cordero is a guy who can score points, and if they score 21, 24 points in this game, it's just a question of USC's focus for four quarters. Do they play Cal Williams the whole way? Do they try to get into their bench? And the other element for Lincoln Riley is there's so many mouths to feed on this offense that sometimes it's a question of, do we get into rhythm? Do we have you know a guy who gets to eight or nine targets, or does he really try to spread around and keep everybody happy coming out of fall camp? So I don't see a lot of value on the point spread here, but I'm going to go on the live number. And if the USC defense looks as they did at the end of last year, I think the Spartans are a live dog. I like that perspective. And Cordero, uh, 23 touchdowns, six interceptions a year ago. He's the offensive preseason player of the year in the Mountain West Conference. I could see this being one of those games where, to your point, Caleb Williams gets pulled in the end of the third quarter because they have such a significant lead. He runs a couple touchdown scoring drives and backdoor cover situation or live number, to your point. I'm a little bit disappointed looking here at one of the plays that you have. You're taking Ohio Moneyline against my alma mater, San Diego State. What do you like about the Bobcats in this spot? I like nothing more than to say hail Montezuma. But in this spot, you look at how much the Aztecs have lost in their front seven. A three-time All-Mountain West linebacker, the Tavai brothers up front. Against an Ohio offensive line, they returned 75% of their starts. The Maple Missile, Curtis Rourke at quarterback. He's you know a read option savant. And then Cy Bagura, who was the MAC Offensive Player of the Year as a freshman. This is not lining up really well for San Diego State. And when you look at what they did last year in their opener in Snapdragon Stadium, everybody figured that they would just shut down Arizona, and that was a bad start for them. This is really going to come down to Moose Maiden, their quarterback. He needs to take a big jump forward this year, and he's a risk taker in terms of you know the football. I don't know. I think Ohio is going to make him pay in this one, and I think the MAC is going to get a marquee win in the non-conference. Oh, but it's all right. You know, got to respect your opinion. It's fair. Um, I just I just root for them to win. OK, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to lay the two and a half with San Diego State, but I'm hoping for them. Uh, but before we let you go, got about 60 seconds. I know you also have a play in New Mexico State UMass. What you got? Diego Pavia is my guy. This is he's a first of all, he's a land of enchantment legend. He grew up in Albuquerque. He was a high school football player and wrestler. Got a full offer, full ride to Nebraska for wrestling. Turns that down goes to the New Mexico Military Institute, wins a JUCO National Championship, comes in last year, turns the offense around once he was named starter by Jerry Kill, and he was killing it at the end of last year. 13 total touchdowns in his last three games. This offense is ready to pop, and they're facing UMass, 
who for anyone who watches college football, this is the bottom of the barrel, 133rd out of 133 teams in the power rankings. I think this is going to get ugly. I have no problem laying the six and a half. I'll probably go in the alternate minus 10. Yeah, they're like a 39 and a half point underdog to Auburn the following week. And Auburn's like a six and a half win total type team, if that gives you any perspective into UMass. Thank you so much, Michael. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy week zero. Michael Calabrese, college football analyst over at the Action Network. Follow him at East Breeze on X, pronounced Z, according to our guy JVT. Lots of letters there. Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hope everybody's having a great Thursday as we welcome you back in to today's edition of the Lombardi Line, presented as always by BetMGM. No Michael Lombardi today. Fortunate to have our guy Jonathan Von Tobel sitting at the desk with us. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. This hour, we'll also have our guy Mike Salmich in his usual Thursday spot, professional handicapper, giving out some of his latest plays and thoughts. We'll talk a little FIBA World Cup. I promised you it in hour one. We had to shift things a little bit because we got carried away with college football because it's week zero, baby. We have a lot of action to get into. Legitimate and good action. Very exciting. And I'm, I'm not, again, coming for you, speaking about FIU and the games that you decided to talk about. I was just trying to set up our guests for success and you had to go rogue. I, no way. Why are you the way that you are? All right. So, so every now and then on the Lombardi line, we do a segment called news or noise, but because you're so trendy and, and you're so cool and hip to the times with the young people, when JVT's on the program, we change it to facts or cap. Uh, facts so, or cap, not facts. It doesn't. No, rhyme. it's facts. That's how you say it. That's how the young people say it. Uh, but, young people uh, don't say fact. They say facts. They, it's like F-A-X almost. I think you're underestimating the young people. I'm just telling you what my 22-year-old sister says on repeat. Uh, bruh? Is bruh still a thing? Um, my brothers-in-law, they're like 18 and 22-ish. They say bruh a lot. Okay. I don't know. What, what are some other ones? Keep it going. I don't want to get into this. Like, Let's do, let's do facts or All cap. right. Are you ready? Sure. You don't do this one. with Michael. This is shocking. We do, but we just call it something different. All right. I I, I would force Michael to do facts or cap with uh with Pritch instead of doing no way or no doubt. We changed the name of that one too. It's just the way that things adjust with our co-hosts on a given day. But we're gonna start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Master pass. Because we uh we know the holdout is continuing for their star on defense, Chris Jones. He's been taken to social media recently, saying that he's willing to hold out until we. Eight. Uh, let's hear from his head coach, Andy Reid, first before I, I give you the, the facts or cap. There's been no communication, so I don't, I don't know uh, what's going to go there. But whatever happens, happens. I mean, not there. We, the game goes on, right? So that's how it works. So. You used to do the GM stuff, too. I know you've said you kind of like not being a part of that. But as someone who's the head coach and been here for as long as you have, you know Chris so well, is there, is there a way for you to get involved with this? Or you used... Um, no, not right now. There's not. Yeah, yeah. So he's got. They got to communicate and do their thing, and there's just been no communication. So even when asked on social media about the game checks, he would be losing because if he really did hold out for that long, he'd lose around seven point five million dollars. He said, "Quote in a response, I can afford it." So facts or cap? Chris Jones really would 
hold out until week eight. Uh, facts. And there's a reason why he chose week eight, right? Because when you come by back by that date, you can play the rest of the year and accrue a year of service and still hit free agency. So I think that's probably the premise here, right? Which is I, if he legitimately financially can hold out, then you just got to stay away until week of the regular season, then come back, you accrue your service time, and then you can get out of there. So I would say it's facts. I think if he's taking care of himself financially, it makes sense that he would be willing to do that and pick that date for that reason. Should How much should that change your view of the Kansas City Chiefs? Because in my mind, if you don't have a weapon like that on defense, that changes like my my general view of you being truly a Super Bowl contender. Oh, I, I would disagree with that. Really? I think that... Only because in today, like today's National Football League, I am such of the mindset that your defense is only as good as the offense it's facing. So, in general, defense is not going to be a game changer. And then one piece of that defense, then, like you know, by extension, by by my logic, would not be a game changer. So, like if you think the Kansas City Chiefs are a legitimate Super Bowl contender, if Chris Jones, because think about this too, Stormy. It, let's say, let's say to an extent, you are right. You know, whatever the the magnification is of what he's worth. Let's say you're right to a certain extent. If he's right, he's still went back by week eight. So, like, you're still going to have your great offense, and then you just what, tread water until you get to week eight. Then you get him back. Then they're right back to being the full strength team that you expect because he does need to play to accrue the service time. So, I would say either way, like for me, it does not make a difference. If you told me right now, it's 100 percent fact that he does not play until week eight. It would not change like my premise on Kansas City now. Maybe does it make a difference in divisional matchups like with the Los Angeles Chargers? And then subsequently, do you think that the Chargers have a better shot at winning a division? Something like that? I can get it. But big picture, can they not win the Super Bowl without Chris Jones? I would say they can still do that. Absolutely. I just think for the season as a whole, and granted, Kansas City, I feel like any time that you doubt them, they always seem to exceed those expectations. Last year, everybody was talking about, well, what's this offense going to be without Tyreek Hill? And they go on to break all these records offensively mm-hmm. for the season, and Patrick Mahomes wins an MVP. But this year, I do have like some questions, once again, in that wide receiver room. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are still going to be Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But now you throw in a Chris Jones lacking on defense, and maybe you're philosophy, particularly to your point in the division, maybe changes a little bit with the way that you view things. Let's move on to another one. Go to my San Francisco 49ers um, and facts or cap. Kyle Shanahan says he still believes Trey Lance will find success in the NFL despite losing the QB2 job so far in San Francisco. Facts or cap that you agree he will find success. Uh, I would say facts that I think he could find success. I will say cap that uh, Shanahan wishes that he has <laughs> success. How about that? Uh, no, I think, like, you mentioned the he stat. He didn't say wishes. He said believes. Believes. Sorry. Yeah, I'll say cap to that 100%. Um, no, if it, you mentioned it, right? When you have, was it less than 500 or just about 500 pass just attempts? 500, yeah, including yeah. high school. To, you're still a very raw prospect. So what the positives were are still there for Trey Lance. And even then, like, it's just the, the tumultuous route in which he has gotten here. Uh, you know, starting out the career, like you said, in the monsoon and breaking the ankle and all that. Like, it hasn't been a smooth path here. So once you finally find some, like, some solid footing and you could develop at the right clip, I, I think there's still something there. So I'll say, yeah, he could still have success. And I would also throw in for a little bit of, a, I guess, a loophole. Does success, if it goes, gets to it, does he go the Logos, uh, Logan Thomas route and change positions and become maybe a, a different player in terms of tight end, whatever it's going to be? That could also happen, too. So either way, I think there's still plenty for Trey Lance. That's an interesting thought. Let's hear straight from the horse's mouth, Kyle Shanahan. Trey's a very well-liked guy, one of the better people I've been around, and I do think he's going to have a lot of success in this league. It's been a tough road for him because he at times he has gotten an opportunity. Um, he ended up getting hurt and missed that window, and now he's sitting in this position, and we'll always try to do right for Trey. Um, if there's a better situation that his heart's in and something like that, um, 
we're going to make sure not to do something that hurts them in that way. Um, so that's stuff that I talked to them about this morning. That's stuff I'll talk to them about tonight and continue to talk to them about. But um, Trey knows how I feel about him, and um, I, mean, I, I hope he ends up being able to be here, and that's the best thing for him. But uh, we got to see what is the best thing um, from now until then. And, and again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, the San Francisco 49ers, while they are only now saying that they're exploring their options, this has probably been something that's been on their minds for a while, especially after bringing in Sam Darnold this offseason, who was officially named QB2 yesterday. Uh, facts or cap? Let's talk about your Indianapolis Colts in this spot. They claim they won't trade Jonathan Taylor after Tuesday's deadline. Uh, I'll say facts. I mean, I, I think that I think that this is, to a certain extent, I don't know what Michael had to say about this. I think this is almost a calling a bluff of a certain extent here mm-hmm. with Jonathan Taylor. It's like, look, man. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, right? Because it's all it is is just, okay, look. Go see if that deal's out there. Go see if teams are going to sacrifice enough assets and be willing to pay you on the back end. And that's just, you'll find that there's not that many teams. And sure enough, six have inquired, two have made offers. You don't know what those offers are. I'd be willing to bet that if the offers were substantial enough, Jonathan Taylor would have a different logo on the helmet. But that's not really the case right now. So I would say that that is, so what are we saying? Claiming they won't trade? Yeah, I'll say facts. Because I think that this is, when everything is said and done, Stormy, they'll figure something out. They will, you know, whatever deal it is, maybe Jonathan Taylor's not going to be happy, maybe he will, there will be a deal that he's going to be in Indianapolis Colt for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future. Well, that's what I said yesterday. I think once week one does arrive here, he's going to be in Indianapolis Colt. I think it's unfortunate based on the comments that he made in April and then making the agent change that the philosophy and the way that he's mm-hmm. kind of approached things has changed as dramatically as it is. I fully understand wanting to get paid. I respect that mentality. I hope that he does. He's obviously the centerpiece foundation of that offense in Indianapolis. According to ESPN, Stephen Holder, it's been six teams that have at least inquired about Taylor Two have made offers. But I also think that that's just kind of after all of the things that happened with Lamar Jackson and these teams coming out and saying, we're not having offers mm-hmm. and everything like that. And all the quote unquote thoughts of collusion, even though it probably isn't, but it maybe it is. And all the murky thoughts there. I feel like this is almost just like, owners saying, okay, let's put something out there. He's not going to accept it because this is what the market is right now. Yeah, I think well, if you're a team, if you're calling, because, you, again, what the offer is is if I'm Team X and I call up and I'm like, all right, what, what do you got? I'll, I'll give you a third. And they're like, no, no. stop. Like, technically, is that yeah. an offer? Sure. So we don't know what those offers are. I'll, I'm willing to say this. They have thrown out there that they want, what, either a first-round pick or the equivalent sure. of a first-round pick, players, whatever. They're not going to get that for a running back who needs to get paid. And by the way, the important part here too, an injured running back that needs to get paid, right? That's the kind of the part of the equation here. So I'm willing to bet that he'll be an Indianapolis Colt when all is said and done. I'll hit you with one more last 90 seconds. Uh, ACC presidents have been holding a series of meetings this week to reassess their membership reports that Stanford, Cal and SMU are back to being heavily considered and they would like to place a vote facts or cap that adding these teams are likely the ACC's best option right now. Ooh. I mean, I guess facts. The problem is, is if you add them, and again, this is all about TV money deals and whatnot, they have a long-term TV media rights deal. So I think that cuts into what other teams would get unless they're going to come in with no stake or whatever it is, quarter stake, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it would be a slightly less percentage for Stanford and Cal and SMU would not get any of yeah. that for so, the first however many years. I would just say the problem is that the powers that be at the top, Florida State specifically, but very vocal about how unhappy they are already, and then you're cutting into that by adding these other teams. So I'll say, you know, I'll say cap. I don't think that's the best way. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm curious what's going to happen. I mean, Florida State's obviously been unhappy. Does this move the needle at all? Eh, I don't know. 
But I mean, it- I think you make the argument Florida State is like I think you can make the argument ACC wouldn't say like see a Florida State, but it wouldn't be like the worst thing. Yeah. The current media rights deal with ESPN and the ACC network goes through 2036. Right. So there is a lot yes. left on that. We're going to take a quick time out here on the Lombardi line. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening. Visa and the Sports Betting Network. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.